Welcome to our worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, for this Sunday, June 20th. We are so glad that you have decided to join us in worship. We wish you all a happy Father's Day. May God bless all the dads. May God bless all the dads, helping all of us to be the best fathers and husbands that we can be, and if some one of us is struggling at that task, we would ask our Lord to help us do better. A good dad is priceless to a, uh, a family's well-being. We're worshiping together on campus in our sanctuary for, for those who feel comfortable being out and about at this stage of the pandemic and have... Uh, been vaccinated. We are dealing with the new protocols and, and trying to find our way forward uh, with this. They, they have changed our patterns here just a little bit, so let me re review what, what is uh, our state of procedure now. And, and that is basically that if you are vaccinated, and we hope that all of you are that are physically able to be vaccinated, um, you are welcome to join us without masks nor will you need to continue the physical distancing. Now, if you are not vaccinated or you're a youngster under 12, though, you'll need to continue wearing a mask and observing uh, what is the new three-foot physical distancing request. 
I just learned a few days ago that a parishioner from Ventura was traveling abroad for business. He had been vaccinated. He was wearing a mask. And he got infected with COVID. So uh, he's still there. He's stuck there for uh, seven days or so. He's going to be tested again, see if he can, can get his way home. Somehow, somehow, uh, some precaution slipped somewhere, and uh, someone infected him. So again, for others' sake, if you are not vaccinated, please wear a mask and obey that physically distancing uh, request. Uh, let's do it so that we can help all of ourselves stay healthy as we regather more and more. The choir is back among us. Woohoo! All right. Do you remember any of those faces? Yeah. <laughs> now, please note that they are a vaccinated group. And we are thankful that you were able to get vaccinated and that being vaccinated, you have decided to get those pipes back in action and to help us with our, our worship experience. Um, we want to respect, though, we, we want to be sure to respect our neighbors, our neighbors' sensitivities about this physically distancing, sitting and talking and willingness to hug or desire not to hug at this stage of our reassembling. So though we're glad to see each other, be aware of the signals that you are getting from those people around you prior to entering their physical space. Now some folk are not going to want to hug from you, they're still a little spooked by being so close to people without masks. And, and others are dying to hug you. So as, as Rachel's learned from a colleague in Massachusetts, maybe if you don't want to be hugged, if someone's coming up to you and it looks like, oh my Lord, they're, they're coming in for a hug and, and you don't want that, maybe just do something like this. This is what Rachel learned from a friend in Massachusetts. Maybe you could do that. Would that be a signal to say, hey, hold on, you know? And if they start getting in there, then you can go like this, you know? <laughs> You're ready. You're ready to defend yourself if, if you need to, right? Maybe you're one of the ones that is just dying for a hug, and so if you see somebody, go like this, right? And, and they'll, they'll, they'll figure out that that means, come on in. Come on in. Let's do this. Um, some of us are, are going to feel comfortable hugging, and some are not. Some are going to feel comfortable shaking hands. Some are not. Um, just out of the psychology of being apart for so long, Perhaps also, though, because we're still vulnerable or we still feel that we are vulnerable because of our ongoing health concerns that we have. We want to respect that. So uh, perhaps enough said, but we want to respect that. And young families, um, we know that uh, you'll be needing to wear masks, and we want you to feel comfortable among us wearing the masks, and we are affirming that. So if, if you are an adult that just wants to wear a mask to be on the added safe side or you have a need to be wearing a mask or you're a youngster and these are the, the rules we're following, you're vaccinated and you're wearing a mask, you are welcome here. Let's just obey the, the new rules and be sensitive to one another's uh, needs. We are also having a special request of you all, knowing that you have learned to be compliant over these last 12, 16 months. 
we have discovered that the sign-in uh, registration process is a marvelous way for us to be aware of who is with us. And so, since we no longer need to do it, we're making a choice, well, sh shall we continue it or not? And we're wanting to continue it. So we're asking for you to sign in, not to register. You don't have to register to show up, and you can, be, you can show up without registering. But we want you to sign in so that we know who's among us. We can start to keep track of who's resurfacing and who's not resurfacing. Uh, and, and, and we can uh, reach out to them. It, it's going to be simplified. No more of those health questions and stuff like that. But there'll be a box on there for you to, to leave us a message. Maybe there's a message about a need that you have, a, a prayer concern. Or you just want to tell Rachel that she's doing a great job. That's, that's what that box is for, right? Um, the choir's back, yay, write that in there. Or, or thank you, Nick, for doing what you're doing with the bells, getting them back up and running. Uh, things that you'd want to communicate. There's a box for that. Uh, so it's basically just your name, how we can contact you, and if you have a message for us. But it's a way for us to, um, we're hoping, re-engage our congregation. So we're, we're looking for you to, to do that. It's going to be a very simple thing to do. Um, if you've got any skills at the computer that an eight-year-old has, it, it's going to work out for you. Now, if you don't have those skills, now, some of you are like me, and you don't have those skills, and you don't have an eight-year-old in the house, we have Joanna in the office. We have Joanna in the office who we can call, and we can say, now, Joanna, come on. How does this really work? Right? Because if you have... If you have that app, if you've actually signed up for that app, it will have your name and your phone number already in there, and it will keep it for you so that you don't even have to do that on a Sunday. You just have to open it up and go register, all of five seconds, right? So um, it's easy to do if you don't have the app, but it's easier to do if you have the app. Eventbrite, it's called. Joanna? Uh, we love her, and this is one of the reasons we do, because she will respond to you on the phone with a pleasant voice rather than being annoyed that you're the 50th person that's called, right? She's marvelous with her skills and knowing how to do this for us. So if you have any hesitation, we want to count on our people coming back, and we want you to be counting on us to be working together with you. So this is a, a very easy way to do it. Questions from the audience? Candace. <laughs> Yes, we are trying to do that. Uh, Joanna, that was a question. Is there a way that we can capture the names of the people who are worshiping at home? And that has been a challenge for us uh, all along, but I heard some talk this last week that perhaps there's an opportunity for us to do that, a way that we can do that. So we're working on that, Candace. If you are viewing us at home, bless you. We're happy. I might have been too close to the mic there, and you had a whole face of me. We're glad that you are still following us. We are going to continue with our live stream worship services. Um, that's just going to be a standard procedure now as, as part of our church's life. Um, we would like to know who you are, though, and if there's a way by which we can be family to you. So uh, you can easily email us or text us, or perhaps we will birth something that will make it easier on our website for you to contact us. The flowers, we think, are from Nadine Larson, and we thank her for that, for, for 
beautifying our sanctuary on this Father's Day. I have taken much too much time getting us ready, but all, this needed to, all of this needed to be said, Joni, and, and now it's said, and I'm hoping I don't have to repeat it next week. So glad we're together. Bless you all, and let's uh, celebrate the fact that we're regathering more and more each week. Amen. Let's honor ourselves for worship. Rise and read the song. God's day has begun. Today we draw to a conclusion our worship focus on Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God through the parables. I hope it's been thought-provoking and inspiring of a sermon series for you. We've had a lot of fun uh, doing it. We pray that through the insights that you have gained as you've meditated on the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and these kingdom parables, that you have uh, gotten ideas about how you might be able to get a little bit more than just one foot in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Holy God, be with us in this time of worship that we might open our hearts and our minds to your holy word, that being nurtured and inspired by that word, we would be led into truer discipleship and greater faithfulness. Amen. service where I talk to the children. We have four children, one youth in worship today, and most of you are worshiping at home. I know that several of you are traveling in celebration of Father's Day, camping at the beach, or some other way of taking the time to honor the father figures in your life. We even have some children that have traveled here today to be with their fathers to celebrate Father's Day with them. And we give celebration for that. So for our kids today, uh, some of you get to sit with your grandfather, which is also very fun. I want to invite you to help me wish a happy Father's Day to everyone in the sanctuary and everyone at home. So can you guys stand up where you are? All right. Oh, Dominic, do you want to join me? No? Okay, it's all right. Um, <laughs> And on the count of three, we're going to shout Happy Father's Day three times, okay? And I'm going to ask you to shout. I'll just say it because I don't want to blow out the speakers. Okay, so one, two, three. Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! We are so appreciative for all of the father figures in our lives that have helped us to grow into the people that we are. And we just want to say thank you to you and to have a very happy and blessed day. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? We'll do our repeat after me prayer, okay? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for yesterday and for tomorrow. 
Thank you for fathers, those people who show us how to love and how to grow. Thank you for being our ultimate father. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can head off to Sunday school. right now <laughs> there are moments where being back in person feels amazing and listening to our choir sing today is one of those moments where my heart is warmed and I give thanks and it's a great way for us to enter into our time of prayer so please join me in a moment of prayer awesome and almighty God we give you thanks for this day for the ways in which your spirit continues to flow around us inviting us into relationship with you and one another, a spirit that flows not just in a physical place when we're gathered together, but that unites us across areas, across spaces and places to say that we are all a family together, worshiping you, praising your name, regardless of if we're at home in our PJs worshiping there or in worship or in the sanctuary worshiping. We bring honor to you and give thanks for the ways in which you continue to shape our lives. As we continue to explore the parables that Jesus spoke about and to, help us to continue to wrestle with what these parables may mean for our lives. And help us to recognize the ways in which you continue to write parables in our lives and invite us to see your grace, your wisdom, and your hope all around us. Inviting us to be your hands and feet and to do the work of building your kingdom. Open our eyes to the possibilities. Open our hearts to the compassion. Open our minds to imagine all that is possible. This day, we come to you in prayer for the following people in our lives. We join with Polly Tattersall Martin as we continue to pray for her niece, Sandy DeLong, as she continues treatment for brain cancer. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We also pray for, Polly, or for Bill's brother, Richard Martin, who has recently been diagnosed with ALL, a form of leukemia. Be with him, Lord. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up Amy Hamaker in prayer, who is experiencing abdominal pain after her COVID-19 illness. Relieve her pain and help to find the answers that she needs. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. 
We lift up Herb Berger in prayers, who is having hip and back issues and in need of physical therapy. Offer him healing. O Lord, hear our prayers. We join with Betty Steeman in lifting up prayers for her family in Argentina, who have lost another family member this week. It has been a season of loss, and the family is reeling. We ask for healing for Edgar, who is still recovering from COVID and a part of that family as well. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Vinia Pavlov's mother, who had a stroke yesterday morning. Be with Vinia and her sister as they sit visual with her mom, trying to or their mo mother trying to find out the answers and how they can best care for their mother. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we have a few joys on our hearts this morning as well. While we continue to grieve the passing of Dana Sheehan, we have a joy that we were able to celebrate her life the way that her family and friends desired, yes, desired to yesterday. And we give thanks for the love and the light that was shown in that service. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We give thanks for the CalPAC annual conference and the business that they did this past week. We thank our delegates who dutifully sat in front of their computers for three days doing the business of the work and recognizing it as worship as they were doing it. We are excited about the energy that the conference brought and the parables of the pandemic that we'll talk about next week. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And Lord, we would be remiss if we did not lift up Father's Day in our prayers this day. We lift up prayers for the fathers who are doing so exceedingly well, walking with their children, helping them grow, being role models and examples, giving them guidance and wisdom. We thank you for them. We thank you for the fathers that have been in our lives who are no longer with us. Offer up us a place of comfort and healing as we mourn those loved ones who are now in life eternal with you. We pray for the fathers who are missing their children, who don't have the opportunity to visit with them today. And we ask that you connect them through your spirit so that they know the love that is exchanged despite the distance. And Lord, for everyone in between, whatever situation they are in in their relationship with Fathers and Father's Day, we ask you to be present to them and let them know that you are walking with them on this journey so they are not alone. We pray all these things saying the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
reading today is from Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linens and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. <sighs> the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham! Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger into water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all of this, 
between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they may well not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We end our series by contemplating a parable that looks at death and resurrection. Preached on it a number of times and have uh, tried to look at the contours of uh, life after death that is presented in this. And, and today we're, we're looking at the life that leads up to life after death as we look at this parable. Because it does seem that Jesus consistently insists that people of faith with one foot already in the kingdom, are going to deal with others in a compassionate and healing way, a loving way, and that that is determinative of how they move forward. Jesus is forever concerned with how we treat each other. Now, in the parable, the traditional cultural expectations of his time are seemingly turned upside down meaning that the wealthy are not necessarily good, nor the poor are not necessarily bad. And this fits into Jesus' reappraisal of things, says commentator John Dominic Crossan. And he reminds us that Jesus is recorded as saying, many who are first will be last. Remember Jesus saying that? And the last 
will be first. What's he talking about? All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Yet there is more to this reversal than a, uh, a flickle, flip-flopping of fortunes in people's lives. Jesus' observation is built upon the fulfillment of the spirit of the law. So let's take a look at the characters in the, the flow line of this parable. We've got Abraham. It seems like, uh, I don't know, Scott's acting talents, I thought, were with his children's generation, but he, he seems to have, have a, a sense of what it was like to be Abraham or in heaven or hell. I don't know how he's gotten that, but we thank him for his presentation of Scripture. Abraham is the classic father of our faith, right? And he seems to be the moral afterlife referee in this parable. The rich man, he's sometimes called uh, Divas, that's a Latin word for being rich man, so that's not really his name, that's just something that's picked up over time as a tradition about him. We're told that he leads a hedonistic life. He wants the best of everything all the time. It's like festival time in his house. All meals are like the meals that you would have at the special day. His clothing are like the clothing that you would have on special days, though that is his everyday wear. <clears throat> Ostentatious, conspicuous consumption, the epitome of a self-serving kind of person. And we recognize, as he's described by Jesus in this parable, he is not serving God, nor is he serving neighbor. Whatever else he's done in his life, he has failed to extend his hand to the poor. Now, the, the Roman readers would have expected some kind of patronage caring from the rich guy to the poor guy. So it runs afoul to what they would expect, and the, and the Jewish hearers would have expected some kind of aid getting, giving to somebody in need. So all who are hearing this are saying, this guy's off. There's something wrong here. And you should remember Deuteronomy 15.11. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. And again, Tobit, that, that comes from uh, intertestamental works. Give alms for your possessions, and do not let your eye begrudge the gift when you make it. Do not turn your face away from anyone who is poor. And the face of God will not be turned away from you. The rich man is not measuring up by any measure to his faith. He is in it for himself, and that's a prescription for spiritual trouble. Now, the poor guy, well, we actually even know his name, and it's rare for there to be a name of anybody in a parable, but here's a name, and it's Lazarus. And it gets us to be thinking about other Lazarus that maybe we know through Scripture that may be intentional on Jesus' part. He is somebody, though. He's Lazarus. He's not just some person at the gate. He's a human. He's been named. He's placed at the rich man's gate 
he's so ill he doesn't get there on his own for a reason. Perhaps his friends, his family feel that there's hope for him because of Roman practice and Jewish practice if he gets under the gaze of the rich man. So he's placed at the gate of the rich man. He's in dire need of assistance, we're told. You get sad for him. When you read this parable, you feel really sad for Lazarus. Even the dogs notice him in need. And they give him a dog's version of assistance, cleaning his wounds. Yet the rich man ignores him not even sharing the refuse from his home with this man. So the story quickly moves along to the topic at hand concerning most folk, consequences of how life is lived played out in the afterlife. Choices leading to outcomes. And as both characters die, the rich man's indifference and his lack of caring action condemns him. And he learns that there are no post-mortem do-overs. Sounds like Jesus was a Protestant. Amy Jill Levine writes, his appeal to Abraham will not yield its desired results because he has not fulfilled his role in Abraham's family. He has failed to display hospitality on earth. And he has failed even in the circumstances of pain of torture in hell he has failed to get it and to understand his sin. He's still expecting the poor guy to be doing him favors and bringing him water. He's entitled to that, he thinks still, even though he's roasting in hell. I invite you to remember Deuteronomy 58, 7. If there is among you anyone in need a member of your community in any of your towns. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your needy neighbor. And again, this man should have had written on his heart the words of Isaiah 58, 7. Share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. The scripture passages are shared with you just to remind you how plain, straightforward, and frequently said this injunction is to share and to care for one another. It's not a secret rule. It's been around for centuries 
by the time that Jesus is using it in his parable. As the vine makes sense of the parable, cutting to the quick of its meaning, she writes, the problem really is not the message. Dilja's added words. It's been out there for a long, long time. The problem isn't the kind of messenger, in Dilja's words, God has used a whole bunch of messengers in a lot of different ways, right? We see him, the prophets, Jesus, well, okay. The problem, she writes, is that people are not listening. People don't listen to it. So the parable ends with this cautionary note. Heed the commands to aid the poor and the sick and the hungry or you will eventually suffer worse poverty, greater pains, and deeper hungers. Well, so where are your thoughts on this, friends? Can I ask you privately? Where is your heart? Where are your actions? The parable probes us, probes us with these questions, and it makes us wonder, as it says out loud, what types of thoughts, hearts, and actions are descriptive of kingdom people? Now, Jesus directs this, addresses this directly in Matthew 25, where he talks about kingdom people being those who care for the least of these. Are you in sync with Jesus on this? Are you seeking to measure up to these qualities of kingdom? people. The parable would get us to be thinking that there are some consequences to our choice about it. What does the love of God and love of neighbor look like? Jesus keeps saying to us, as the tradition of the faith said over centuries, love God, love neighbor. Well, what does it look like? Jesus is saying in the parable, it doesn't look like this. It looks like something opposite of this. Making the sense of the parable in Jesus' time as well as in ours, it needs to be said that entering the kingdom is more about the kind of person who loves God enough to pay attention to God's will and God's purposes. That's the first part. And would think of doing good loving neighbor, and then would actually do it. 
And that's the simple second part of it. The point is that we are to uphold our part of the covenant by behaving as human beings should behave. We care for the poor. We are our brothers and our sisters' keepers. As the Old Testament says, for you were once strangers in a strange land yourself. You were once in need. Or as Jesus says, you were once without redemptive grace. So our, our series ends with a call back to the, to the foundation of faith. As a way to, to further explain and to round out the picture of the kingdom of God. Pastor Rachel and I have tried to unpack these, these kingdom parables over these uh, couple months now, I guess, right? And we've noticed these parables can be hidden and take some good listening and thinking, right? With a variety of receptivity, their wisdom is embraced or discarded. Now, if you're quick on your feet, you know that I'm paraphrasing each parable that we went through now over the last couple months. Yet the kingdom underlies all of life, will affect it all, and it will grow successfully. And when we align our lives with the kingdom, it will affect and spiritually mature us. So we are smart to prize it, to seek it, to claim it, to possess it, to fully live into it. Because the kingdom is priceless. It's a value beyond reckoning of worth. And as you do this, don't worry about distractions, about weeds or smelly fish. It's going to work out in the end. We need only to be honest with ourselves as we seek God's grace. And it will come. And it's God's intention to ultimately, through that grace, sustain us both physically and spiritually. Be assured, justice will be served. Righteousness will prevail. You can count on it. Phew, now that's a lot. Yet the kingdom of God is like this, Jesus says. It's all about God's sovereign reign in our souls and among us in the world. 
as we live through, struggle through the compromises of the now. With the assurance and the anticipation, the emboldenedness of the not yet to fully come. I'm with Jesus on this. And whatever we can do to help this sovereignty fully come to pass and be manifested in our lives and in our community, well, that's our business as children of God, as disciples of Christ. May Jesus be able to count on us to work with Jesus in building the kingdom in our soul and in our community. Be people of faith, friends. Be people of faith and lean into the kingdom of God. Make it real. Make it real in your life. And it will become more and more real in the life around you and the world. Amen. now and the not yet, being honest with God about where we're at at this moment and seeking the not yet, what is possible when we embrace the gifts and the truth that God has for us personally and for us as a community together living into the kingdom. This is in the time in our worship service where we contemplate and reflect on those gifts that God has given to us and consider how we might respond. Whether you're at home, you can present your offerings online. If you are here in this worship place, at, there are offering plates that you can drop your gifts in on the way out of service. And we invite you to prayerfully consider how you can live in that tension of now and not yet as we work to bring about the kingdom.
We trust this service has been a, a blessing to you. Now, if you are like me, you spend more time thinking about your daily life than you really do about what's in store for you eternally. How many of you just fret about life eternal? We, we really don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that, but maybe as we age, we start to pay more and more attention to it. It starts to get into our thoughts, doesn't it? We start to, we start to think about uh, consequences. We typically leave that to God, and we, well, we hope in the power of God's grace that it will move us towards a healed and redeemed oneness with God. But that grace is only going to affect us as much as we open ourselves to it and allow it to affect us. As we end our kingdom of God focus with this worship, we are reminded that we should not take God's grace in vain. Rather, we should rejoice over its offering. We should attend to it. We should welcome it into our lives, allowing it to transform us. We should marinate in it all the days of our lives. And we should make a point of allowing that grace to guide us in how we do our comings and our goings. Learning how to live, how to live in the love of God and for the love of neighbor is really the key to life. It's the key to the kingdom. It's the key to life abundant. It's the key to eternal life. So go with God today and make this spiritual insight a touchstone for you in the whole of your life. Be safe, stay healthy. Know that you are loved now and forevermore. Amen. Oh.